Welcome to Church Unfiltered with Dr. Anthony Cops, a leadership podcast brought to you by Breakthrough Ministry Consulting. Welcome to another episode of Church Unfiltered. This is the podcast that is brought to you by Breakthrough Ministry Consulting, where we are helping pastors and church leaders to answer the questions that they are really asking. We are super excited, super excited, as always, to bring you another episode. And today I'm going solo. I don't have a guest on today, but I have something special that I want to share with those, especially those church planting pastors or those who might be a part of a church planting team. Today, I'm going to be very candid, very transparent. I'm sharing reasons why my church plant failed. And yes, I'm using the F word. I'm using the F word failed. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But again, we just want to thank God for uh, Breakthrough Ministry Consulting. We are powered by my consulting business. I work with pastors, church leaders, but then also want to shout out our sponsor. We have a sponsor, Summit Signs. Summit Signs. We encourage you to check out Summit Signs and Marketing. They do a tremendous job working with churches. They are located in the San Antonio area. Uh, Look them up, Summit Signs, and uh, check them out. Tell them that you heard about them on Church Unfiltered, and uh, they will be happy to be a blessing to you. Minority-owned company, but they work with churches, businesses, anything that you need. Check out Summit Signs. All right, let's get into our content on today. I want to start this off by just just giving you a transparent confession. This is what I want to share with you. I hate losing. I hate losing. I cannot stand when I don't win. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be a game of Uno. It could be Monopoly. It could be playing basketball, whatever it might be. I hate losing. It's just something in me. It's not that I am overly aggressive or highly competitive. That's not what it is. It is just that when I set out to do something, I want to do it well. And I operate that way with kingdom work. In fact, one of my models or really I take from the scripture, I make sure that I live my life according to this. I work while it's day because I know that the night surely comes. There's going to be a time eventually where I can't do the things that I do now or I will slow down and I have to do things a little differently. And I so I am working. I move and I operate as if as if, you know, the Lord himself is watching, which he is, of course. And so I just thank the Lord for being able to do the work that I do and so that I am able to do it well. And everything I set out to do, I try to do it well. I tried to be an A student in school and and always succeeded in that until I got into my doctorate program and I got my first B and I just, listen, this is how bad it is. I got my first B and I argued with that teacher up and down in my doctoral program. I like, I cannot believe you gave me a B. I argued with him up and down. The funny thing that happened, he ended up being my dissertation chair, <laughs> which is funny. That is funny that the person that gave me the B, he told me something. He said, you're not perfect. You're not going to always be perfect. And I was like, okay. But anyway, he ended up being my dissertation chair and made me better person, even with my dissertation. The reason I'm pointing that out is because the topic of my dissertation was church planters and leadership church planters and leadership. That's what I wrote my dissertation about. My dissertation, my doctorate is in leadership and I wrote about pastors and church planters. Here's why I wrote about it. 
because my church plant breakthrough church I founded Breakthrough Church in 2011. I was formerly a pastor of a church on the east side of San Antonio, and I resigned from there after five years and started a church called Breakthrough Church. I super excited. I was so super excited, wide eyed and anticipating what God was going to do in the life of me and my and my launch team in life of Breakthrough Church. And after three years, about approximately three years, I closed down Breakthrough Church. And we're gonna talk about that in a few moments. I closed it down um, and so I used the word failed, but let me be clear on something. I actually didn't fail. I didn't fail. The church was actually doing all right. I mean, we didn't have hundreds and hundreds of people or anything like that, but the church was doing well. Uh, enough that I could have continued on. We could have continued on. We could have we could have plugged away and even started to grow. We had even moved into a new spot, and um, we were plugging away, and things were going going uh, relatively well as far as an appearance. But I'm going to share why they did not, and I'm going to give you seven things. I'm going to give you seven things for this episode. Seven reasons why my church plant failed. Um, and I'm, again, I'm only using that word. I'm only using that word. Number one, it was marketing because I got you to listen, didn't I? You're listening. But I'm using that word because sometimes it feels like failure. When you set out to do something significant, like starting a church, and then you have to close it. Man, that thing, it's like starting a business. It's like starting something or writing something and it doesn't go as well. You put something out, a book or something, and it doesn't go as well as you or it's not as received as well as you would have hoped. There's something crushing about that. And that's how it felt. It took me a long time to even be able to talk about this because there's, I want to, you know, and I'm going to be very transparent in the reasons why it did not work out. But I again want to say I could have kept going. I thank God for the people who were a part of the ministry. Some of them I am certain will listen to are listening to this podcast even right now. And I thank God for them. Some of the most awesome people you can you can imagine. And so I thank God for them and their patience with me. And I'm going to share with them for some of them. It's the first time that they've even heard exactly why I told them specific things as far as we were. Um, we had so many things happening at the same time. And um, I just felt led to, to move in a different direction. But I'm going to share I'm going to share what even led me up to that point. Um, I had a meeting with them with the members of Breakthrough, I remember that Remember that meeting and I was sharing with them, listen, I believe the Lord is leading me in a different direction. I know you've been with us. You've been, you've been plugging away, but I think it's time for me to go do something else. And I'll share what that looked like um, in just a few moments. But, and it was disappointing. It was heartbreaking. Some of them had followed me. Some of them had followed me from the church that I pastored before. I didn't recruit them from there. Let me be clear on that but they had followed me from that church and uh, it was, it was disappointing and I understand that and it was heartbreaking. And so that's why I'm saying it's so important. It's so important for anyone who is contemplating starting a church that you know exactly what you are doing. When I wrote in my dissertation about leadership, pastoral leadership in a church planter, I talked about that. I talked about that a little bit in my research and, and I, I interviewed you know 20 plus church planters and asked them why did they start a church? 
And, uh, and, and I came to the conclusion, I saw through the research that some people start a church and, and some people start a church because they're mad at the previous church. You're mad at the way things have gone at the church that they attended before. Maybe they were an associate minister and they didn't get opportunities like they really wanted. Or, you know, maybe they were put out of that church. I don't know. You know, whatever the case might be, there's a number of people who start a church because they were mad at their previous church. Then there are other people who start a church who start a church because they cannot land a pastoral position. Some people start a church because they just cannot land a pastoral position. Let's be honest about it. Some folks don't. They go through the process. They see. And, and let me be clear. Sometimes that pastoral search process is long, is arduous. It takes a lot of time. It takes energy. And then you get disappointed when you don't get selected. And so there are some people who start a church because they didn't they can't get a job. <laughs> let me say it that way. And um, and I'm not suggesting that that's a bad thing always, because sometimes the reason you didn't get the job is because the Lord wanted you to start a church. But so there are people who start a church because they were mad at the previous church. And so they decide I'm going to leave here and I'm going to start a church or they're mad at the pastor or or they get put out of a church. Um, you know, a lot of times pastors get put out of a church. We'll talk about that on another episode of Church Unfiltered because I'm telling you that happens a lot. And I don't think the average person realizes how much that happens. And so sometimes that's the reason that they start a church. Other times people start a church because they uh, cannot land a church job. And so they are they are they are saying, you know what, I'm just going to make this happen <laughs> one way or another. And so they start a church. But then there are people who are called to start a church, to plant a church. There are people who have that built into that. God has placed that inside of them to plant a church. That's the burden that he places upon them and, and he makes it happen for through them. And that is a wonderful, wonderful call. And now that's what I want to focus in on for those who are, who started the church for those other reasons. We have some different things that we need to talk about. If you started the church because you were mad or upset with another church, guess what? You're going to carry that into even the new church. You need to resolve those emotions. You need to resolve those feelings um, and deal with that. And if you started a church because you cannot find another job, let me help you with something. What's going to happen is that when the phone rings and you get an offer and to go somewhere that pays you and it's it's better than what you're doing now, you're probably going to get tempted to go. And that's not cool. That's not cool to the folks that that you are working with. I'm talking to the folks who are truly called to start a church. You're called to start a church. The Lord has placed it upon your heart to start a new ministry. I'm going to tell you what happened in my situation. And, and, I, and I titled this message, Reasons That My Church Failed, But Yours Will Not Fail. Yours is not going to fail because we're going to help you. At Breakthrough Ministry Consulting Church Unfiltered Podcast, we're going to help you so that your church does not fail. So I want you to learn. I want you to learn today. I want you to learn. This is what it is. Let me say this. So let's let's get into this. All the ingredients were there. All the ingredients were there for Breakthrough Church for Pastor Anthony Cobbs and Breakthrough Church. All the ingredients were there. You had an experienced 
pastor. I had pastored before. I was a youth pastor. So I was on staff. I had been in ministry for 15 years at that time. So I had experience. I also had education. I was I was working on my doctorate then. I you know, so I had education. I had my master's. I had my bachelor's. I had been uh, exposed to ministry. I had all of these things. And I even had a committed group of people, a committed group of people. It was about 10 of us that it was a solid core group of people who were ready to help get this off the ground. Now, here's another thing. I even went to trainings and conferences. I went through ARC training, Association of Related Churches. Many of you who listen may be, may be familiar with ARC. I was also affiliated with the Baptist General Convention of Texas. So I was exposed to denominational training. I was exposed to ARC network training. I was, went through training. I, I had all the ingredients. I had all of it. Everything from the outside looking in, this thing looked like it was on point. I I know it. I know that there were other pastors, preachers. They were like, Cobb's about to do it. This thing is about to do it. This thing's about to happen because I had all the ingredients. I want you to picture something. I want you to picture a kitchen counter, a kitchen counter. You have uh, a, a mixing bowl. You have eggs. You have flour. You have butter. You have you have all kinds of different things. I don't even know everything that goes into a cake. You have all the ingredients of a cake that is sitting on the counter. There's no reason in the world. The oven works. Everything works. There's no reason in the world why you shouldn't be able to make a cake. You got the recipe. You know what to do. But for some reason, your cake ends up ends up falling. All the ingredients were there. I remember sitting down with a gentleman that that was part of an organization. He was part of an organization that helped to fund new churches. Um, it was a mission. It was an extension of one of the local churches in San Antonio. I remember sitting down with lunch with him and he was talking about that they were going to help support. They were going to give a couple of hundred dollars per month to us to help us. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. He said something. I want you to hear this clearly. This is what he said. <laughs> He said he, he looked at my credentials. He, we were talking. He was excited. I was excited. And this is what he said. He said, we're excited about supporting you because with all of your experience and everything that you have, if you fail, then we might as well close our doors. I want you to hear that. He said, if you fail, we might as well close our doors. I'm going to say this. I'm going to move on. It is amazing that that organization is no longer in existence. Anyway, that's just a little side note. I just threw that out there. But the, here's what here's why I say that, because just because all the ingredients appear to be there, just because you see it seems as if everything is there doesn't mean that this thing is going to work. All right, let's get into it. I have seven things. There's seven things. The first thing I'm, I'm, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to go like the old David Letterman top 10 list, but I'm going seven. Number seven, full-time fantasies, full-time fantasies. One of the problems that I had, one of the reasons that my church failed is because I tried to do too much. That's another way we could say it. We could say, I tried to do too much. Here's what I mean. The desire to start full-time is what I had. I thought that I can jump because the church that I was pastoring on the east side of San Antonio, I was full time. So when I started a church, I thought automatically, well, I can do this full time. It's a church plant. I, I kick myself. If I could hop in a way back machine and go back, I tell myself, what were you thinking? You could not go full time 
You could not go full time uh, at a church plant. You needed to build up an income depending on how much money you had in the bank, different things like that. We'll talk about that. But full time fantasies. I started off. I started off trying to go full time. We had some money in the bank. I had money, money, you know, in the bank personally, but I started off full time. That did not work. Here's what I recommend. Even as as COVID, there's so many churches. I want to say this parenthetically. There's so many churches that have that have launched even during COVID time, which is awesome, awesome, awesome. But here's what I want to say to you, to my brother or my sister who is thinking about starting a church. Here's what I suggest. Don't try to go full time. You probably need to work by vocationally until here's what I want you to get until you get at least 100 regularly giving adults, 100 giving adults. I'm not talking about 100 members because sometimes we'll have 100 members, but 60 of them are, are children. <laughs> you know, no, I'm saying 100 giving adults before you even consider before you even consider full time. There are many churches that have 100 or 200 members between 100 and 300 members and the pastor isn't even full time. And these are established churches that have that might have money in the bank, but still the pastor is not full time. And so you you want to make sure that you understand that before you try to go full time, make sure you have at least 100 members. So what that was one of the main reasons that I found myself in a bind because eventually that money dried up. Eventually it started getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter when I, cause I was trying to go full time and that impacted home life. That impacted my finances, that impacted all of that. So that, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. So full-time fantasies, no, don't try to go full-time unless you have money in the bank, all right? Number six, lack of church or additional support, lack of church support. Um, so what I did, what, what typically happens a lot of times is that a church will have either a parent, a mother church that will launch them and support them, things like that, or a denomination that will support them financially, things like that. So when I launched Breakthrough Church, I, I launched out and here's what I thought. I thought that I had a bunch of friends in ministry. Now, listen, I need you to get this. I had people that I was preaching for. I was going all. I was, you know, when I was pastoring a church, an established church, when I was in a traditional setting, I was I was preaching for different people. I was this, you know, friends and part of a, a minister's association, different things like that. And so I just thought. I thought innocently, I thought, okay, when I start a church, of course, I'm going to get some support from pastors who, and, and even maybe a church that will want to support us and help us. Well, when I did this, I pitched this to several churches, I pitched it to several churches. Um, and I was like, okay, if I get uh, 500 from this church and, you know, and I'm talking about monthly, if I get a certain amount this month and a certain amount this from this church, man, that'll, that'll be able to help us to be able to, again, I'm thinking I'm going to be full time. I'm thinking that I can afford to get a building. I'm thinking all these kind of things. Well, that did not happen. That did not happen. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. There was only one church. There were church, churches that gave a hundred or $200. They did do that. They did that. It was a couple of churches that did that. But I'm talking about a consistent support of the of, of our new effort. 
There was only one church that did that. I don't have a problem saying which church did it because I actually work for the church now. Resurrection, <laughs> Resurrection Church in San Antonio in Church, Texas, actually was the only church that said, you know what? We're going to support you. We're going to back you. We're going to support you. We're going to back you. One church out of all the churches. And listen, this is not to point a finger. This is not to make anybody feel bad because people have people. It's not their vision. It's your vision. So if you do not have, here's what I want to teach you. If you don't have the support of a church or a denominational organization, I, I encourage you. I encourage you to really think about that. You need to probably be bi bivocational or um, you need to start considering, is this the thing that God is calling me to do? Lack of church support can really, really hurt you. Or you need to at least budget without, without thinking about the promises of other people. Just because you had a bunch of church friends, I want to tell you something. This is Church Unfiltered. Let me be honest with you. The, I was I had a bunch of friends that were preaching me and different things. When I said that I was starting a church, those invitations stopped. Those invitations dried up because that is threatening to some people. And so you have to be you have to understand that church planting can be a very, very lonely thing. All right. All right. Number five, I believe the hype of other of people. Dozens of people told me how they were going to visit and be part of the ministry or they hyped me up as the next great thing. They were like, oh, this is going to be I'm coming to your church. Da, 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 da. Some visited while others never did. It dawned on me that these folks were either members of another church. I'm like, why are you? You know, why would I expect them to come to my church? They're members of another church or they were connected to one in some way. Here's what I want you to get. I spent too much time on people who were never meant to be a part of my church. I spent too much time listening to them, believing them and the time for a church planter. Your focus has to be on new unchurched people and the priority has to be leading people to Jesus. People who are part of the former church that you attended, they're always going to hype you up because they love you. They know you. They love you. They're familiar with you. They're going to hype you up. Don't you believe the hype? Public Enemy, the rap group back in the 90s, 80s and 90s used to say, don't believe the hype. Don't do it. Don't do it, brother or sister. Don't believe what people are saying. I'm coming to your church. If you start when you open up, I'm coming. You're dependent upon that. You're thinking that you're getting gassed up for with that. Like the young folks say now, you get excited about that and they end up not coming to your church. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. Uh, number four, number four, doing too much and not enough, doing too much and not enough. While 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 I was leading breakthrough, I planted breakthrough church. I was also working on my doctorate. I was serving in the community with my with my fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi, uh, San Antonio alumni uh, chapter. I, I love you guys. Love, love. And that's what I was doing. I was doing all of these different things. I was doing. I was, I was working in community, doing different things. I was part of the Baptist Ministers Union. I was serving there. I was doing these different things. I literally was even teaching high school Bible in addition to launching this church. As a church planner, I have to wait. I have the weight of overseeing everything and doing what needed to be done for my leadership style and personality. I realistically could only spin about two or three plates at a time efficiently. And uh, but I found myself 
I found myself probably with six or seven different plates trying to spin those plates. And so here's what I want to suggest to you. You've got to understand how many plates you can spin at one time. Spinning too many plates always leads to a crash. I want you to hear that. Spinning too many plates always will lead to a crash. And I got I got mostly <laughs> straight A's in my doctoral program, but I began flunking in my vision execution for the church. I was doing too much and not enough doing too much. I knew what I had. I had the greatest plan, uh, church launch plan that, man, I'll be, I was ready to roll. We were doing it. We were doing all those things. And we, again, were doing relatively well. And the Lord was blessing. We had a great group of people. We baptized, you know, 15, 16 people one month. I remember we were doing all that. These things were happening and, uh, and the Lord was blessing, but I was doing too much and not enough. Personally, I was doing too much doing way too much. And that began to take a toll on me. So church planter, church team, I want to encourage you, if you are part of a church launch team, make sure that that church launch, the church plant pastor, that pastor and his wife, they're not taking on too much. And that's what begins to happen, especially when you are a new church. I'm setting up tables, tearing them down. I'm setting up the audio system. Me and my son, we're running around. We load the car. We're doing, I'm doing all of this. It began to take a toll on me. Okay. So I was doing too much and not enough. I started focusing in on all the, all those kind of things and not enough on the execution. All right. Number three, number three, number three, I didn't take full advantage of denominational resources. Though I started my church, I started actually started my church. And again, I was affiliated with the Baptist General Convention of Texas, which meant financial support and resources. I mean, they provided about, I think, like eight hundred dollars a month or something like that. At that time, I, I want to give you I want to give you an idea of what what of 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 how significant this is. So at that time, ARC, the Association of Related Churches, I, you know, I went through that training. And, and one of the goals of going through their training and being approved through them is that you can get to a place where they provided like $10,000 a month to be able to, to, to get you to be full time, you know, making $2,500, $33,000 a month or something like that. And then the rest of that is for ministry operations so that you can get your church going. That's one of the reasons why they're so successful. They're so successful because they free up that church planter to not have to do a bunch of other things. So that's one of the things that I shared with the convention. That's one of the things I have in my doctorate that it's not even realistic. It's, it's hard. It's harder. Should I say it is? It is possible, but it's harder to be able to launch a church when you have no money. <laughs> if you're trying to work a job, you're working at Target, you're working for UPS, you're working. I mean, it's going to take it's going to take longer, probably. And that's OK. That's OK if you're OK with that. But if you want to jump in, you need to have some resources in the bank. A friend of mine who who I went to, um, he has an incredible church, um, Revolution Church here in San Antonio or Church, Texas. Revolution Church, my friend, Pastor Zach White. I went to him. I remember talking to him. I'm like, man, I love what you're doing. You're doing a great, great job with your church. And so I went to him and I remember Zach telling me, I think when he launched, he had like one hundred thousand dollars in the bank or more or more. And I'm like, no wonder he came out the gate so strong. No wonder his church took. It's just it was obvious that he had tremendous support. 
In contrast, when I launched Breakthrough, I think the majority, the most that we had, including my own contribution, I think the the highest we got with donations, because we did a campaign to raise funds, the, the launch team put in money, different things like that. I think the highest we got was 20000 And that's even more than what most church planters get. So that was about how much we had. And then that's 20,000 before buying everything, buying equipment, doing different things, putting all of that that had to go through. Okay. So in contrast, I had about 20, my friend Zach White had a hundred thousand plus or more. So that's what I'm trying to tell you. You got, you have to understand that is important. So a denominational support, the denominational resources I was getting, it was great. It was helpful, but it was it was far from enough for what I needed. And that's not that's not a slight on the convention or anything. I thank God that they supported us like that. But thank goodness that I had also Resurrection Church that was also giving as well. But but even still, I still didn't have enough to push it the way that I was trying to push it. If I could go back in time, I would have made some adjustment to how I launched the service based upon the support that I had. You got to be careful trying to launch too big and you don't have any money. (laughs) You have no money and you spend up all your money because that money will eventually taper off. People will be excited at first and then it'll eventually taper off. This is good stuff. I don't know. I know. But we're almost done. We're almost done. Okay. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Um. The toll that it took on my family. This is reasons why my church failed or my church closed. Because again, we didn't have to close, but we did. The toll that it took on my family. Since I served as a pastor before, I thought my family, I thought me, I thought my family was built for church planting. I couldn't have been more incorrect. All my ministry experience took place in large, well-established churches. Everything that I had done before, I had to realize, I'm like, wait a minute. I was trained in a large church. I was, I was exposed. Everything that I had done had been in a large, I wasn't used to. This is, this is, this is the secret I want you guys to say. I wasn't used to struggling. Oh, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So I wasn't used to struggling. So I'm in a situation now. I'm like, well, shoot, we don't have any money. We don't, you know, we don't have any money or the money is drying up and this and that. I wasn't used to the struggle. I didn't like, I don't have the money that I've had in other settings. I don't have that. And guess what? It took a toll on my family. Why did it take a toll on my family? Because when the money dried, money dried up, I had no money to pay bills and bills and things. So, so financial issues begin to arise. All kinds of things begin to happen. And problems that existed before suddenly became 10 times bigger. I need you to get that. That's why it's so important for your marriages to be right before you start a church. Your family, your your relationship with your children needs to be right before you start a church. Make sure all of that is intact. If it's not right, because if you're putting all your eggs in one basket with this new church and you don't have any other kind of income, I'm telling you, it could be a problem. And even for those who are bivocational, you have money, you have different things. It still takes a toll on you in other ways, your energy, your effort. You need to make sure that your family, number one, your spouse, and then your children, of course, that everyone is understands what is happening. And pastor, I want to say this to you. I know that some people may hear this and may differ with this. They weren't called to the church to start that church. You were. 
And so you need to make sure that you keep in consideration that number one, you are husband. Number one, you are dad or you are wife or you are mom. Keep that in consideration that that's not fair to those kids for you expect those kids. Now, you guys need to sacrifice because our family has been called. No, you were called. And so be careful with that. I know people I know there's going to be somebody listening that doesn't agree with that. But just email me. That's OK. All right. Last thing. Last thing. And this is this is a big one. The last reason why my church didn't work or I had to close it down is because the clarity of my call became obvious. Annually, many churches started, many churches closed. The pastors who do so feel like failures, having been sure that they did not fulfill their call. On the outside, it appeared that I failed, but I had to endure disappointment from the people I ministered to. I had the now what looks of my family and strangely, some of the same pastors that didn't support all of a sudden start saying, well, what happened to your church? What's going on? I mean, I believe some of that was sarcastic and all of that. But pastors who made it seem like I committed, they seem like I committed the ultimate sin by closing my church. Thankfully, I listened to God and not man. I revisited the vision that God gave me and I saw something in that vision. I had written all of this stuff down and, and I saw that. But part of that vision that I wrote down was the church. Part of that vision was consulting. Another part was communications in which I'm writing, you know, write books, curriculum, do, do different things like that. Here's what happened. I looked at that and I saw I discovered something. This is big. I, I put the church as a vehicle, as a part of that vision. And I saw that. Everything else, the communications part, the, the writing, the this and that, all of that, the, the the consulting I had been doing. I had done all of those things and the Lord had blessed me to get all kinds of certifications and, um, and, and training and all all of this kind of thing. I saw the Lord had given me the resources and provided me with everything that I need for the consulting, for the communications. But for the church, I had to look back at some of those other things I mentioned. Why wasn't I getting the support that I was get, that I was looking for? Why did why did the money dry up? It was gone. Why did certain things? Because the clarity of call that I discovered was that even though it was a good time, that everything that is good is not necessarily God led. And so I recognized it was time to close that church. I was because I knew that. For me, the call that I had was to do consulting and to help people and to be a blessing to, to pastors and church leaders and help them to be what they what God had called them to be. In other words, in other words, and I'm going to say this directly, I had the courage to admit that I was not wired to be a church planter. Did you all hear that? Did you hear that? I had the courage to admit that. And do something about it. I wasn't wired to be a church planter. And so I said, you know what? That's not that's not even who I am. And that's why I'm being consumed by it, because that's not even who I am. It took courage for me, a lot of introspective thinking um, for me to come to that conclusion. But I recognized that that wasn't who I was. So I closed it. OK. And so here's what something that, ha that happened with God, what God did with me. When I did that, when I got clarity on my call, 
God opened up doors that had been closed to me before. My consulting start taking off. My consulting start taking off. I ended up going to Houston, working for a large church there. I ended up getting clients at different places and different things began to happen. I began, I even, and here's the thing. I even went and started working for the the convention that was supporting me in a church plant. And guess what my role was? A church planting consultant. And the Lord allowed me to be able to help over 30 plus churches in Southwest Texas or Southeast Texas to be able to get started. Isn't that incredible how God will do that? So here's what I want to encourage you as we close, as we prepare to close out. I want to encourage you church planters have the courage to clarify your call. Not everyone is called to plant a church. Not everyone has the skill set to plant a church. Not everyone has the entrepreneurial drive to start a church. Uh, Not everyone is called to be a pastor. And so you have to clarify your call. I know who I am. And I, and I, it was almost as if I forced myself to have a church because I felt like if you're not a pastor, then pastors won't respect you. If you're not a pastor and in, and in, and in our community, the African-American community, that is pretty much true. I mean, it can be true. You got You know, you have to have some pastoral experience, which I understand that. But I, I almost felt like I had to be a pastor. And here's what I want to say. And I believe that this is going to free someone up. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't. And please don't put yourself in a in a position or force yourself into a position that actually is keeping you from doing what God has called you to do. That's a word for you. Don't do that. God has something for you and he will he will open up doors for you if you clarify your call. That's it. I, I, that's it. Those are the seven things. I'll put this on my social media, this list. And for those of you who want to get on our email list, email us at info at breakthroughonline.org and I can send this list to you as well. And I'm looking at putting this into an ebook format as well and put some of my research from my dissertation. So I wanted to throw that out there. These are the reasons my church failed. Uh, those are the seven reasons. And I, I tell you again, it wasn't necessarily a failure. It could have kept going on. I could have plugged away and it eventually probably, maybe it would have grown. Maybe it would not have, but I didn't want to do that to those people. I didn't want to do it to my family or do it to myself. I needed to get in the right seat. And that's what the Lord blessed, blessed me to do. And I pray that someone listening to this, listen to that list and you heard like, okay, you know what? If nothing else, I need to get in the right seat and make sure that I have the courage to say, maybe I'm not wired for this. Let me find what God truly has for me. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Church Unfiltered with Dr. Anthony Cobbs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. For more resources related to today's topic, visit churchunfiltered.com or follow Dr. Anthony Cobbs on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.